Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. There's a question that many of us have either asked or been asked at some point in our lives. It's a question that often goes without an adequate response. It's a question that's often asked with some level of frustration or exasperation. And the question is this, what were you thinking? Generally, it's a question aimed from parents towards children after the children, the child has completed some crazy adventure, some action that, to the wise and learned perspective of the adult, doesn't really seem that sensible or logical. And I've never known somebody to give an answer. I've never given an answer, an adequate response to that question. I've never known somebody to say, well, taking into account everything before me, looking at all the evidence and giving due consideration and taking on board the wise counsel of my, my peers and considering the wind factor and the barometric pressure and the UV radiation and the temperature and considering the onset of any consequences, physical or otherwise, I thought, yes, jumping off the roof is a fantastic idea. I mean, nobody's done that. Generally, it seems the universal response to what were you thinking seems to be, which for me drives me nuts. I hate being answered with a grunt to any question. But I figured out long ago the question, what were you thinking, isn't really a helpful one to ask anyway. Scientists and researchers have discovered that the parts of the brain that seem to be good at logic and reasoning and making healthy decisions, they're still developing for the first couple of decades. And so when a child answers, "Mm, I don't know what I was thinking, like they're genuinely telling the truth. They haven't really thought through all the factors of what they undertook that leads to the point of you asking, what were you thinking? I think... Jesus probably had some of these moments with the people in his life. Take the time that he's on a national speaking tour and there's a village that doesn't want him. And so James and John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. That's a great nickname, isn't it? They go to Jesus and say, Jesus, hear us out. We've got a brilliant idea. What about we call down fire from heaven? Huh? 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 What do you think? Old Testament style? Let's go. What do you think? Jesus rebukes them and basically says, what are you thinking? Or the time that uh, Jesus talks to his disciples and says, he explains how he's going to go up to Jerusalem and there he will be persecuted by the religious leaders of the day and crucified. And Peter, in his infinite wisdom, full of boldness and courage, takes him aside and says, Lord, we will not let this happen. You will not die. Jesus, meek and mild, full of grace and beauty, rebukes Peter, says, get behind me, Satan. What are you thinking? You are not mindful of the things 
of heaven. You are mindful. You are full in the mind of the things of man. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Now, few of us, over the, particularly over the last few weeks, have sat or stood here on this platform and, and shared about the swirl that we kind of feel like we're in in the midst of this season. How there seems to be so much information that goes around, contradicting information, conflicting opinions, that it can be really easy to not even be sure what we're thinking, to not be sure about what we're feeling or what the right step might be to take. See, the thoughts that you and I have are not just moments of energy and electricity that float around in our brain. The thoughts we have form pathways in our brain, physical elements of protein that grow within our brain. I'm starting to learn a whole lot more about the brain and, and um, neuroplasticity and these different elements of why we think what we think and, and how that impacts us yeah, physically. Reading a book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and she says this, we cannot say or do anything without first building a thought. So whatever we say and do is first a thought that we built. Indeed, we're learning all day long and expressing these thoughts all day long. Whatever you think about the most, whatever you think about the most grows in your mind. What you choose to focus on will be imprinted into your brain, affecting what you say and do. In fact, what you say and do is a reflection of what's going on in your mind. It is important to remember that what and how you are learning will either lead to success or failure. Your thinking, writes Dr. Leaf, can change the structure of your brain. See, for a long time, uh, researchers, scientists, medicos thought that the brain was fixed in, in how it was constructed, that it, you were born with the brain and obviously, and that the way that it was, was the way that it was, and there was no kind of repair, there was no kind of flexibility within the brain, that it didn't alter much over the course of your lifetime. Now we're discovering that, yes, actually the brain has what they refer to as plasticity, that it does change, that it does shrink and grow over time, based largely on what and how we think. See, if we look back through Scripture, and we see some of the stories we've reflected on over the last few weeks, and we, we go back to the story of, say, Joshua, and God calls him up and says, Josh, you are my man. Moses is dead. I've buried him, taken care of it. Don't worry about it. You're the guy to lead the nation across the river into the promised land. Josh, here is the key to success. Meditate on my word. Meditate on my law day and night. Commit it to memory. Let it dwell within you. That is the key to success that you need to take on board. We see in David, we see in the Psalms, as Simon reflected on a few weeks ago, how David would lie awake at night crying out to God, God, it feels hopeless. I feel helpless. I don't know what is going on in this moment. But I meditate on who you are. I meditate on your good works. I meditate on what you have done. <clears throat> he writes this in Psalm chapter 1, 
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, writes David, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does prospers. Why? Because he, David was reflecting on the same experience that Joshua and many of the ancients experienced was that the key to success in my life is to meditate on the law of the Lord, to meditate on his word and to remember his works. It can be really difficult in times and seasons of chaos and uncertainty to choose what we are going to think about and what we are going to concentrate on. But you and I have a choice to make every day, more often than every day. And we can think it's not an easy choice, but part of learning and growing, part of training our mind, training our brain, forming our brain, is that we make intentional decisions about what we fix our eyes and our thoughts on. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Paul writes to the growing early church a few decades after Jesus had walked the earth. Paul writes to this church, a growing mix of Jews and Gentiles, trying to figure out what it is to be followers of Jesus in a largely unchristian environment, in a, in a way that we were, a lot of them were persecuted for their faith um, and were really struggling to figure out what it actually looked like to be followers of Jesus, to live under this new covenant for the Jews that had lived under the old covenant for so long. They're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and then the Gentiles are coming in um, and just changing it all as well because they haven't lived under the old covenant and they are now a part of this growing group of followers of Jesus. So Paul writes to them, Romans 12, a lot of you might know this already. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let's hit pause for a second because Paul writes and says, I want you to offer yourselves, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, around about this time in Rome, the Roman emperor was finding Christians, finding people who were followers of the way, as they were known, and basically using them as human torches for his garden parties. And so Paul writes, he hasn't met with these people yet. He wants to go and visit them. But he writes to encourage this, this growing group of believers. And says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Whoa. That's a shift. Um, okay, what, what is, what? what? Um, we see our friends and our family being lit on fire for the emperor's garden parties. And you want us to do what? They've shifted out of the temple way of the sacrifices. And Paul says, you are now the sacrifices. This is a new covenant that you are living under. You are the sacrifices. Offer yourselves to God as living sacrifices. Not that you would necessarily die, although some died for their faith. But that you would give yourselves and your lives, your very lives, to God as a way of worship. That you would be fully committed to him. And then he goes on, verse 2 he explains what that actually looks like. 
Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Another way of putting it is to um, don't any longer shape yourself and how you live and act and even perceive yourself and the people around you based on the age that you're living in. That word world, it refers to this age that you're living in, this season of time, the culture that you are a part of. So don't look at the world around you, the age around you, the season that you're in and base who you are and how you live your life on that. And then he goes on, he says, all right, so that's what you're not to do. Let me tell you what you are to do. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word there, transformed, it's the same word used to describe the transfiguration that Jesus undergoes when he climbs the hill with Peter, James and John and he has this incredible heavenly experience with Moses and Elijah, which I love that story because Peter's like, uh, um, hey, this is good, let's build some tents. Peter, what are you thinking right now? I don't know, let's build some tents. And in that moment of Jesus having this incredible heavenly encounter and they see this representation, they see Jesus as he would appear in heaven almost, shining brighter than anything they've ever seen. And Peter's dumbfounded. We don't even hear from James and John, the sons of thunder, in that moment as Jesus is transformed. And here Paul uses the same word to describe the transformation that the followers of Jesus are to undergo. Be transformed more and more into your heavenly bodies, your heavenly representation, the way that you appear in heaven. Don't conform any longer. Don't shape yourself on the age around you, but be transformed into how you appear in heaven. Let people see you as followers of Jesus, as sons and daughters of God. How? By the renewing of your mind. Renewing, um, the word describes um, renovation, complete overhaul. If you buy a house and it's not in the shape that you want, it might need a complete upgrade, it might need some structural work, it might have some walls where you don't want them, so you pull those walls out and you put up some new walls where you want them. You make sure that the footing's in Horsham. You might need to re-stump, re-level that house. You renovate it. You completely overhaul it to bring it up to the standard, to bring it up so it looks the way that you would want it. And so Paul says, don't shape yourself on what you perceive in the age that you're living in, but shape yourself on the way that heaven sees you. How? By changing the way that you think. There's so many thoughts and so many opinions and so much coming at us about how we should live, what we should think about this, what we should consider about that. And Paul says, enough is enough. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's through this process that you can actually discern God's will for your life. It's, it's through this that you can discern what God's will is, it, that it's good and pleasing and perfect. I have my, um, 
my translation says, test and approve what God's will is. And I've got question marks because for a while I was like, test and approve what God's will is. Test and approve, yours might just have test because it's actually just one word in the Greek and it's the sort of test that you know, how, you know that something's genuine. You want to find out how genuine, how good it actually is. Maybe you have a diamond and so there'll be tests that they undertake to find out how genuine, how good that, that diamond is and to put it to the test. Same with God's will. We know that it's good and pleasing and perfect. We're just going to discover how good it actually is. We are going to be transformed. We're going to change the way that we think so that we don't think from an earthly perspective, but we actually think from a heavenly perspective, that we come in line with God's kingdom. We come in line with God's will. And that is actually what we live out here on earth. Now, you and I know in a season particularly like this, that some of us seem to be thriving and really enjoying and others of us, like we talked about last week, it just feels like a storm in the middle of the lake and we wonder if we're going to drown. How we actually combat this, how we actually learn to thrive in a season such as this. And again, as we shared last week, I reflected on Philippians chapter 4. Church, Paul writes to the church at Philippi and gives us keys. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he goes on, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I have to read it out because I always forget one or two of the what's in the list if I just try and do it by heart. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Listen, it's... There is so much noise in our world today that we as followers of Jesus, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, turn off the noise. Disconnect from social media. You, you won't miss out. Stop watching the news. Put down the phone, turn off the TV, get away from the computer. Don't buy the newspaper. What, where is the source of noise in your life that's actually causing the, the mess in your brain, so to speak? So we, we have a choice because we can actually shape the way that we, can, we think. We can actually retrain our brains, rebuild our brains, depending on what we think and how we think. See, when, when we think, we're actually building these little trees of protein in our, our brain. So the more and more that we think about something, the more and more that we build these uh, trees of protein called dendrites within our head. There's billions of them in our head. And so the more that we think about something, the easier it is to think about that particular thing. And if we think unhealthy, toxic thoughts and these pathways become unhealthy, our brain becomes unhealthy and toxic. If we think healthy thoughts, if we think life-giving, joyful thoughts, then 
our brain becomes healthy and life-giving and full of joy. And I'm not saying to be overly optimistic and unrealistic and to not face up to the challenges. Like, by all means, we have to do that. We have to face whatever this life might bring to us. But I'm saying that we actually think from a heavenly perspective. We think, okay, what is God's good and pleasing and perfect will in this situation? Because I'm looking at it thinking, well, this is a mess. I'm thinking, I'm not really sure how I'm going to work through this. Or more, we think we're not really adequate for whatever we might be facing. And as I was preparing for today, I was mindful of people and thinking about these passages that we've shared and the encouragement to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and learning about how we build our brain with either toxic or healthy thoughts. And for some of us, we've been thinking toxic thoughts for so long that those pathways seem so ingrained in our brain. But there's hope. We can actually change what we think and and how we think. And you might be watching this and for so long, you've been thinking thoughts about yourself specifically that aren't healthy and life-giving. You might think that You're too short, too tall, too fat, too skinny, too slow, too fast, too dumb, not smart enough, not anything. And they are all lies from the pit of hell. They are all conforming ourselves to the age that we're in, to our view of the world around us. Because in heaven, that's not how we're seen. Because as scripture tells us, God looks at us through the filter of Jesus, that we are seated in heavenly places, that when we give our lives to Jesus, that we become a new creation. The old man is gone, the new man is born. So we're not to measure ourselves by the standards of this world. We're not to measure ourselves based on what the world says we're to use as a measuring stick but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, thinking about what is pure and lovely and noble and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy, that we more and more are transformed, transfigured, to reveal the kingdom of God in our own lives to the world around us. See, I think sometimes... That we as Christians, particularly when it's a trying season, we think, oh, the enemy's out to get us, the enemy's coming to attack us, we're under attack. And I think sometimes we actually can do the attacking ourselves with what we think. And God, in his infinite wisdom and his love and his grace and his mercy, he gives us the tools and the equipment that we need to actually represent him here on earth and to be a part of seeing his kingdom come and his will being done in Horsham, in Victoria and around this world as it is in heaven. This is our mission. This is our mandate. And it starts with something as simple as changing the way that we think. God doesn't have a negative thought in his head. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, I don't have time to have a thought in my head that God doesn't have in his. Whoa, that seems like a really tall order. 
But the encouragement, the invitation, the power and authority that we have received is to think as God thinks because we have the mind of Christ. So in, in this moment, I just want to create some time when all of us, no matter when or where we might be watching this, no matter when we're listening, that we can actually just quieten ourselves away from the noise and hustle and bustle of the world and just come before God and allow Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us. So right where you are, I just want to invite you to just close your eyes. Disconnect from any distractions that might be around you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you in this moment to come and would you reveal to us, each and every one of us, what is the lie that we are believing about ourselves? God, what's the lie I'm believing about myself right now in this season that is stopping me from fully stepping into all that you have to offer me? Holy Spirit, come. Mm. In Jesus' name, we break off fear and anxiety. We break off self-hatred. God, would you give us your eyes to see how you see us? Would there be an extra grace today in the next few days, Lord, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Give us the courage to disconnect from the sources of noise in our lives. Thank you, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but you have given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. We release that over each and every person watching and listening to this, God. That as a community full of people with transformed minds, that we would transform, transform this world that we live in. Thank you, God, for this hour that we are in that we can be a part of seeing your kingdom come and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.